0: Amen, that was excellent. We are so glad you're here today, this morning, and I invite you to take a copy of God's Word and look at our passage, the book of Proverbs, chapter 1. While you're returning there, uh, congratulations, graduates, you're, your life is about to change. <laughs> it is, I'm just saying, and it's a great time. Uh, the, the world is a big world, and you can make a difference. You can make, I hope, uh, make a difference in the world. Do not live on this planet and not make a difference. And you have the future in front of you. Now, today, let me tell you what's happening. This is a graduation sermon. That's the bad news. Um, the good news is it applies to everybody. So I'm not going to be looking at you the whole time. See, that's the good news. It's for everybody. But this is one of the few times in, in my prepared messages, I'm thinking of graduates. So I'm thinking of the, this concept. This is for you and the idea of as you're moving on. But... The sermon applies to all of us because that's what the principles of God will do. The principles of God will always apply to all of us wherever we are in st- whatever stage in life. So with that in mind, let's look at the book of Proverbs, chapter 1. We're going to begin there. We're going to look at a lot of passages in Proverbs as we talk about principles. Proverbs, chapter 1, verse 23. Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Because I, called you call, because I called and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. And you neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof. I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes. When your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof, so they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be saturated with their own devices. For the waywardness of the naive will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But he who listens to me shall live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we pray now that as we open your word, that, Father, you will show us these principles, how they apply to us. We thank you, Father, for them. Father, I pray for our graduates. Father, I pray that they will take these principles to heart from your word because, Father, they will make a difference in their lives as they move forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last year, I heard a preacher preaching, and he said that when he flies, he doesn't tell the people that he's a preacher. Now, let me tell you, when I fly, I don't want people to know I'm a preacher either. But this is what he says to them. They always ask, what do you do for a living? He says, I always tell them, I'm a teacher of an ancient book which shows us how to live in this world with success, joy, and peace, and excellence. I love that. And they're always interested. Well, tell me more. And so what he will do, he will start telling them Bible verses about how to live, how to be successful, how to have joy, how to have peace. And usually it lasts about 10, 15 minutes. And then they will say, now, what company are you from? That's when he tells them. He said, and usually they say, oh, you're a preacher? The Bible? He said, what's interesting to him, most of the time, in fact, all the time, he said, they will say something to this effect. I need to read that book until they find out it's the Bible. I want you to understand this morning, the Bible is God's word and he's given to us his word to live an effective life. If you want to live a successful life in this world, you need to follow the guidelines of this book. The man who wrote this particular book, the book of uh, Proverbs, is named Solomon. He's David's son. Solomon was, one of the, was the wisest man who ever lived. We know a lot about Solomon. He wrote over 3,000 proverbs. He wrote over 1,000 songs. He, he wrote a manual of botany. He wrote a, a, a manual of biology. People came from all over the world to listen to him, to get his counsel. Kings from other lands would come just to sit with him to hear his wisdom. Solomon, if you give me an idea of how Solomon, how great he was as far as his mind, someone has made the observation it'd be like taking the best of Leonardo da Vinci and Benjamin Franklin, George Washington Carver and, and Einstein and Beethoven and put them together. This man is a, a scientist, a philosopher, a poet, a musician, and he was brilliant with wisdom. And in this book, book of Proverbs, he tells us how to live. And the key verse in this book is Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. Let me read it to you. He said, the beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. And with all your acquiring, get understanding. Now, I love that. He said, the beginning of wisdom is, what's the beginning? Get wisdom. That's the beginning. You get wisdom. And as you get wisdom, you get more wisdom. And the more wisdom you get, you get understanding. And the Hebrew word understanding means to understand behind the scenes. You understand what is happening behind the scenes of things. You begin to get it. So the more wisdom you get, the more understanding you get. Wisdom is not the same thing as knowledge. Knowledge is understanding facts. Wisdom is knowing how to use the facts. In fact, the word wisdom in the Hebrew language could be translated skilled living. How you take knowledge and use it wisely is skilled living. There's a difference in knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge constructs the Titanic. Wisdom avoids the icebergs. Knowledge builds a house. Wisdom builds a home. Knowledge will learn about God. Wisdom will walk with God. And so throughout this book, Solomon gives to us principles on how to live. So this morning, I want to give you some of these principles. The first principle is this. Some problems God will let you deal with yourself... Therefore, live wisely. Some problems God will let you deal with yourself. Therefore, live wisely. That's what we just read a few moments ago. Chapter 1, verse 25 through 29. It's an interesting text. You wouldn't have expected this. You see, the temptation for a lot of people is, I can live my life any way I want to, and God's going to bail me out. I can do whatever I want to. I just call on God, and he'll straighten it out. Therefore, they never live wisely. You know, I don't. I love the game Monopoly. And, and I love get the get out of jail free card. You get cocky when you get that card, I'm telling you. You see, if you go to jail in Monopoly, it, it costs you at least three turns of the dice, maybe three turns, or you have to pay $50. But if you have that get out of jail free card, <laughs> I'm out. And I don't care what I roll. In fact, sometimes I don't mind going to jail because they have hotels on the other side. And so I don't mind. And so it changes the game because I think, hey, I got to get out of jail free card. Look at me. Some people treat God that way. They think, God, I've got to get out of jail free card. I can do whatever I want to. God, you're just going to take care of me. But that's not what the text says. Solomon says, sometimes you're going to mess up and God is not going to help you. Sometimes you're going to mess up, verse 28, and God is not going to answer you. Now, who's he talking about? All of us? No. He tells us in verse 29. This is the people... They hated knowledge. They did not choose to fear the Lord. They would not accept my counsel. They spurned my reproof. He said, for those who do not fear God, for those who are not listening to God, those are the ones that God may not answer you when you call out. Now, before you get mad at God, parents, don't we do this? Don't we do this? We allow our children sometimes live with the consequences. I remember when James was young, he was, he was playing on some rock that was on an incline. And I, I told him, James, get, get down. And he didn't do it. I've got options now, okay? I, I could put him in timeout. We could go home. I could spank him. I could yell. I chose the, the, the fifth option. <laughs> and he fell. And skinned his knee. Scraped his hands. Why did I do that? He had to learn from experience. If, if you're going to run on those kind of rocks, you're going to fall. Well, our Heavenly Father is, is a good, great parent, and sometimes he will tell us what to do. And if we're disobedient, he may let us fall and face the consequences. That's what Paul is talking about in the book of Romans chapter 1, where he says God gave them over. God will let you out, uh, uh, do the consequences of your sin. Now, this makes sense if you think about it, because if God always bailed us out of every consequences of our disobedience, we would never obey God. We would just live our lives and keep making the mistakes, and there's God. But God is not codependent. God is not an enabler. God wants a relationship with us. So God says in this passage, if you live according to my wisdom, I will be with you. But in verse 28 and 29, if you hate knowledge, the knowledge of God, and if you will not accept my counsel, you won't listen to me, and you spurn my reproof, you don't care when I try to get your attention, then he says, I will let you eat the fruit of your own way God says if you really want to go your own way if you don't want to listen to me fine but calamity's coming and when it comes I won't be there now you say wait a minute But what about those passages that says you know hey God will never forsake us and God will always be there that's true those passages are absolutely true I didn't leave James I mean when he fell I didn't run away I just went ha I didn't do that okay I did that took care of remember the prodigal son prodigal son walking away the father didn't tackle him father didn't beg him I mean he didn't hold him back and the father let him go he had to go to a far country end up in a pig pen and the bible says he came to his senses he came back and there was the father waiting for him and ran and took care of him the bible says sometimes God's not going to help you out if you don't follow him in order to get your attention to come back to him. People will fall into problems, and even though God told them not to do things, they'll go ahead and do it. And God does this to get our attention. For the graduates, I'll tell you, you're going to face temptations you have never faced before. And you need to know that if you're going to be disobedient to God, if you shake your fist at God, God may let you go through the calamities. It's a terrible warning, but it's a true warning. Number two. Obeying God brings blessing, therefore obey wisely. Obeying God brings blessing, therefore obey wisely. Look at chapter 3, or let me just read chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. My son, do not forget my teachings, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life, and peace they will add to you. God says a promise. He said, I give you my teachings, and if you obey my teachings, it will be a blessing in your life. Now, some translations might have that, for they will prolong your life many years and and bring you peace and prosperity. The New American Standard says length of days and years of life. Literally, in the Hebrew language, it means fullness of life. It means he will bring you joy in living. God says, if you listen to my teaching, I will give you a blessing, and that is you will have joy in this life. It means you won't go through life just going through the motions. You're going to live a very satisfying life. And that idea of peace and prosperity. In the Hebrew language, it has the connotation of security. He's not saying you listen to God and God's going to make you a millionaire. He's not saying that. He's given a better promise. He said, you listen to me. You follow me. I will give you peace and security in this life if you obey me. If you are true to my word, you can have a satisfying life with security that God is there. Now, he's not saying that uh, nothing will ever go wrong in your life. Listen, we live in a fallen world. Bad things happen. But God says, I will be with you, I will strengthen you, and I will help you. Obeying God brings blessing. Therefore, obey wisely. Third, where your heart is, you will follow. Therefore, follow wisely. Where your heart is, you will follow. Therefore, follow wisely. Look at chapter 4. Or listen to me as I read it. Solomon gives this progression. He says in verse 20, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all the body. Then he says, verse 23, watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it flows the spring of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put... Devious speech, far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead. Let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet, for all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Now, if you go back and look at that, there's a progression of thought here. Here's what Solomon is saying. He said it begins with your heart. You got to pay attention to your heart. The heart is your mind. The heart is what you love. The heart is what you think about. Solomon says the heart is the key. Where's your heart? Is your heart with God or is your heart not with God? If your heart is set on God, then everything will will move forward. If your heart's not set on God, everything's going to fall apart. Then second, he says, pay attention to your words. It goes with the heart. Your heart will determine your words. I mean, that's what Jesus said in the book of Luke chapter 6, verse 45. He said, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks is what Jesus is saying same thing Solomon is saying what you think about what you love will come out in your speech that's a truth I'm not talking about a slip of the tongue I'm talking about constantly you will know where someone's heart is if you just listen to them because where your heart is you will speak that way a couple of years ago Malcolm Gladwell did a podcast on Elvis Presley he discovered an interesting fact about Elvis Presley The song, Are You Lonesome Tonight, Elvis never could sing that live without making a mistake. There is no recording of Elvis Presley singing live, Are You Lonesome Tonight, without messing up. Sometimes he would just stop singing. Sometimes he'll start laughing. He, He just forgot the words. Why? This is one of his most popular songs. He knew the song. How come he couldn't sing it live? Well, they did begin to do research, and it's called parapraxis. Parapraxis is a psychological term that says sometimes we'll say unconsciously things without thinking, like a Freudian slip. You look at the life of Elvis Presley, he suffered loneliness all of his life. From his childhood to early years, through his bad marriage to later years, he was a very lonely man. He was the most popular man in the world. Therefore, he could not sing, Are You Lonesome Tonight? Your heart will determine your words. Then Solomon says in verse 25, pay attention to your eyes. Our heart leads us to look a certain direction. Solomon says, keep your eyes straight ahead. Where you focus, you will go. It's a simple principle. Where your heart is is where your eyes are. Where your eyes are, that's where you're going to go to. May 6, 1954. Roger Bannister did something no one had ever done before. In fact, no one thought it was possible. He broke the four-minute mile. I mean, they actually said it was physically impossible for a human being to run a 4 a sub 4 minute. Two months later, Australian John Landy did it himself. And he broke Roger Bannister's record by 1.4 seconds. So that year in the, in August 7 August 7, 1954, they raced together a mile. Who's going to win? And so they watched this race and everybody knew that Bannister was known for a fast kick, so Landy decided I'm going to run fast at the beginning of the race i'm not going to hold back and he took a lead and he did not let go of that lead i mean he's just running hard in fact he was yards ahead of banister on the last lap and then he made the cardinal sin of track he wanted to know where banister was and he looked back when he looked back was when roger banister passed him and won the race Landy said in the New York Times, if I had not looked back, I would have won. Solomon's saying the same thing. You focus your eyes on your target because if you look to the side, you're going to lose. You focus your eyes on God. If you focus, all of a sudden you look at pride or pleasure or whatever else, you take your eyes off the target, you're going to fall back. The next thing he says, he says, focus on your path. Focus on your path. Let's. Talking about the feet. You see the progression? Begin with your heart. Heart would determine your words. Your heart determines how you look. And the heart would determine your path. The Hebrew word there means a map. You're following the map laid out for you. Solomon is saying, You know your heart. Now you have a map laid out for you. You follow that map that God has placed before you. Last year, we went to uh, Cheekwood State in Nashville, the Botanical Garden, for the Christmas lights. And we do that every year. We, we go maybe St. Louis. We go to Louisville. We, we go look at Christmas lights. And the reason we do that, we're boring. <laughs> but I've been to the Botanical Garden, and, and I've been there before. So I, I said, let's, let's go there. They have Christmas lights. What I didn't know, didn't know a lot that night, is 55 acres. I assume Christmas lights, you drive. On contraire, you walk 55 acres at night in December. And all I had was a windbreaker. And so now we're walking, looking at the light. It really was was really great, but I'm cold. Toward the end, and they had everything lined up. You take this path, and everything was lit up. You just follow the path. Toward the end, we had one more section to go. I couldn't feel my hands, my feet, or my face this time. And I've been there before. And it's up there is where we need to go. And I told Eileen, let's just go this way. We've been here before. There's a little path there. We just take that path and go up there. Now, what I had not calculated at nighttime A few feet out, you're in darkness, and you can't see the path, nor could you see the mud. (laughs) So we had to make our way back to get on the path. And I still remember the words I said to Eileen right before we took this path away. I said to her, I don't need a stinking sign to show me the way yes i do you do too they had a path for us with lights and signs this way this way this way and i thought i know better than them we'll just go up this hill didn't work i should have followed the path that's what solomon is saying god has given to you a path it's lit up just follow the path the moment you decide to go away from the path you're going to get lost you're going to be in the dark and you'll probably get in the mud. See what he's saying? He says to us, if you do not fall in love with the world, if you watch what you say, if you fix your eyes forward, if you don't stray from the path God has set before you, you're not going to be a failure in this world. You're going to be blessed. Next principle. Generosity is greater than greed, therefore give wisely. Generosity is greater than greed, therefore give wisely. Look at Proverbs 11, or listen as I read it. Proverbs 11, verse 24. There is one who scatters and yet it increases all the more, and there is one who withholds what is justly due and yet it results only in want. The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. He who withhold grain, the people will curse him but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. He who diligently seeks good seeks favor, but he who seeks evil, evil will come to him. Hear what Solomon is saying. For the person who gives, the person who's generous, they'll get more. They'll be blessed in life. The person who hoards things, they're going to lose what they have. In God's economy, giving open doors is a blessing. That's what he's saying. That word prosperous means having more than you need. For living now what's interesting to me is this was written thousands of years ago today they know this principle in the, in the secular world economist Arthur Brooks did a study in 2010 looking at the similarity of the, uh, the relationship between income and giving and he did 30,000 Americans looking at their giving patterns and all the every factor about them and here's what he come up he came up with he said I can't explain it he says but those who give get more in fact, he said those who give $1 extra in their charitable giving will probably receive $3.75 more the next year. He said, I can't explain it. I can just tell you it's happening. Well, that's what God is saying too. He said, you got to be generous. Now, now, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about in everything, I'm giving everything. For example, Jonas Salks is credited with the polio vaccine, although he had a team of researchers working with him. Jonas Salk never gave credit to any of them. In fact, when he won an award in 1955, he gave a speech. He gave not one credit to one person who helped him. The team was there in the room. They started crying. They couldn't believe he did not acknowledge them. That is why if you look at history, Jonas Salk never won the Nobel Prize or the National Academy Academy of Science Award because of his attitude. He wouldn't give credit to anyone. And so, later on, when he was trying to work on age. nobody would work with him because they knew he wouldn't give credit. He wouldn't work with them. It was only after his death did his son come out and apologize to all the people that worked with his dad. You see, Jonah Salt couldn't give credit. He couldn't give thanks. And it cost him in life. Solomon says, generosity is greater than greed. Therefore, give wisely. Next. Foolish people always think they're right, therefore think wisely. Foolish people always think they're right, therefore think wisely. Chapter 12, verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. When you're young, you think you know everything. You do. Then you go to the stage, you don't know anything. And for some reason, as we get older, we think we know everything again. You're wrong. No one knows everything. You're not always going to be right. And so Solomon says, be careful. The foolish people think they're right. Therefore, you need to think wisely. And Proverbs 15, 31, he says, seek wise counsel. Have people around you that are wise. I've, I've said this before. I, I have a group of people I go to. Uh, they're business leaders, they're they're pastors, they're ministers, they're friends. These are wise people. I trust their counsel. I go to them for advice. Now, I give them permission to talk to my life. I give them permission to disagree with me. You can't go to people and get mad if you ask their advice. And so I do this. I've been doing this all my life. I I had a group of people around me when I was trying to decide what college I would go to or what major I would have or, or when we bought a house. I always had people around me. I want wise people around me because of this principle. Foolish people always think they're right, therefore, think wisely. Last principle The world will fail you, but God will not. Therefore, trust wisely. The world will fail you, but God will not. Therefore, trust wisely. Proverbs 29, verse 25. The fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. Solomon says, do not follow the world because it's all a trap. The world's going to let you down. You see, if if you trust the world, they're going to let you down. If you're afraid of the world, it's a trap. If you're afraid of what people think of you, it changes how you behave. If you think living like the world is a good idea, the, the world will say, yes, do it. And it's a trap. If you worry about the, what the world thinks, then all of a sudden you, you start thinking possessions are, are important. That defines who you are. If you if you are afraid, if you start thinking that way, now you're afraid somebody will get your stuff. Remember the rich farmer that Jesus told about? He's just, he decided I'm going to build bigger farms, bigger barns. He didn't know he was going to die that night. You are not defined by your stuff. But when you start thinking like the world and the world start controlling your thought process, you'll become tempted to think that way and you will fear them instead of fearing God. Or if you start worrying about the world, the world will begin to control you rather than the sovereignty of God. You start thinking like the world. You're afraid of the world. You don't want to disagree with the world. And all of a sudden you start believing the world's views on, on different things like morality. And here's Solomon. He's saying, look, don't trust the world they're going to let you down you trust God you know I don't understand if you can trust God with your soul you can trust God with your living and you can trust God with your finances and you can trust God with your day-to-day decisions I don't understand people say I trust God with my soul but I'm not going to do anything else with God that makes no sense to me as I look at scripture this is what I know God will not let you down If you trust in him and follow him. Last year in New Zealand, there's a factory for processing French fries. They found something on the conveyor belt. Here are all these potatoes on the conveyor belt, then all of a sudden there was something that looked like a potato, and a man picked it up, and it was a grenade. He put it down gently. They called the police, then they called the bomb squad. Well, they discovered it was a Mills bomb, a common World War II grenade. Didn't have explosives in that one, but it could have. The manager made an interesting observation when they were talking to him. He said, in life, you never know what you will find and what might blow up in your face. He's right. None of us know what we'll face today. None of us know what we'll face tomorrow. None of us know what we'll face a year from today. But here's what I do know. If you trust God, you can face it. If you can trust God, no matter what comes in your life, you'll be okay. The question is, have you trusted God? If you've never given your life to Christ, would you do so today? That time when you say, Lord, I realize I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. Lord, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Lord, I confess I give him everything. Would you do that today? If you're online if you text the word today at 270 398 and a minister will give you a call just text that number and say and text the word today but if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to christ today's the day trust god because if you trust god no matter what comes into your world you'll be able to handle it would you stand by your heads Father in heaven, you've given to us the principles on how to live. But, Father, we understand the key to understanding the principles is to give our life to the person, Jesus, the one who died for us. He is the one that will help us keep the principles. And so, Father, right now, as we go in this time of invitation and opportunity, Father, speak to us. Whatever decisions we need to make, whether joining the church, giving our life to Christ, answering the call to missions, or answering the call to the ministry, whatever it may be, Father. No more hesitations and no more delays. In Jesus' name, amen.